Hey, good morning. Oh. Hey, and there's hey, yeah, good morning. How you doing? <laughs> hey, it's good to be with you, and uh, like I said, it's good to be in your home today. This is a very different experience for all of us, but uh, we're coming in here now into uh, week five of this sermon series that we've been working on, and uh, it's interesting that we conclude this sermon series about our core values uh, at the same time that we're starting this two weeks of quarantine. It's just, it's kind of a strange experience all around, but I'm really glad that the Lord uh, inspired us to do this sermon series during this time, because this is about our core values, and it's amazing how how our core values still speak specifically to our lives, particularly to our congregation, and almost identical to the kind of experience that we're having right now. Uh, we need these core values to ground us and remind us of what's so important to us. Uh, so we've been going through each of these core values, and there's five of them for our congregation. And uh, I'm going to be sharing with you just quickly what these five core values are. But while I'm doing this, I want to encourage you to get your Bibles out, okay? Uh, you may have multiple ones in your family. Uh, if you do, make sure that everybody's got one in their hands. Or if you've got a child with you, make sure that you're together with them. We want to be looking at God's Word and studying and reading God's Word together. And uh, we can be doing that within our homes. Uh, you know, the early church, when they got together, uh, what it says in Acts chapter too is it says that they gathered together in homes, and while they were gathered together in those homes, uh, they gathered around the apostles' teaching. They gathered around the Word of God. So that's what we're doing today, too. So uh, what are these five core values of ours? Well, the first one is Jesus makes his family. Jesus makes his family. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> Jesus makes us family, and uh, boy, family is meaning a whole lot of things to us right now, isn't it? Because if you're there worshiping with your family together in your home, it's like, wow, Jesus, thank you for this family, and uh, Lord, uh, also help us to not drive each other nuts as this family, and that's really being family, uh, but uh, Jesus makes us family in a whole new way, as brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, and uh, I'm grateful for that uh, always. Um, so then uh, our second core value is that deep roots make good fruit. And that means that uh, uh, there is something incredible about being united to Jesus uh, in a living way. Uh, it says that Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. Uh, and that goes down into uh, soil, and that soil is the nutrients that feed the entire plant. And we're a part of that. And whatever's in the soil makes a difference. Uh, and if we're feeding off of the toxicity that's out there in the world, if we're feeding off of the fear or any other thing else that's, that's nourishing us right now, uh, we want to ask God to help us to, to, to sow that seed of love, to put that fertilizer of love deep into that soil uh, so that we can be drawing from that instead. And then uh, our third core value is that love pours out. Uh, and that's the act of service and serving one another. And, uh, and we heard how uh, through the entire story of Scripture, we see this played over and over again, this heart of God to pour out his love on us, uh, the heart of God to serve us. Isn't that amazing that God would want to serve us uh, when we are his creatures? Um, so, uh, so we live out of that, that heart of love by letting that love that has been poured into us pour out into others. Um, and uh, then last week, uh, we talked about uh, what it means to invite people to take first and next steps with Jesus. Uh, and that's being a follower of Jesus. Jesus invited his followers to follow him. Uh, and there was a first invitation, and then there were more invitations that happened again and again and again. And each of those disciples responded a little differently based on who they are. Uh, and that's true for us too. Each of us responds in different and unique ways to the call to be a follower of Jesus. Um, so uh, we want to always be alert to what God is calling us to today, uh, what he's going to be calling us to tomorrow, uh, what each of those next steps are, because Jesus is leading us somewhere, and we want to go wherever Jesus is going. 
Um, and that brings us up then to our fifth core value today, which is be the church in the world. And how ironic. <laughs> I mean, really, let's just own how crazy and ironic this really is. Here we are, and we can't be the church in the building because we're not in the building. The church has left the building. Okay? So instead, we have to find out how to be the church in the world. And as I said before, being the church in the world includes being the church in your home. And you're experiencing that right now, a little bit of what the early church did. Now, of course, they didn't have televisions. They didn't have uh, the apostles standing and doing apostle TV from someplace. But they had the apostles' letters. They had other ways in which the apostles shared the truth and the story of Jesus. And they shared that with each other regularly within their homes. And then from those places, they lived it out into the world. And so we're just learning how to do that. And we're really learning how to do it all over again. It's so interesting that as the church today, in this unique time that we're living in with words like quarantine and social distancing and all those other things, we're learning again what it means to be the church in the world. So what's that all about? How does Jesus teach us to be the church in the world? What are a couple of things that he shows us? Well, we already heard about salt and light, which was such a great way to, uh, to understand what it is that, that Jesus calls us to be as that preservative, as that light, as that thing that transforms the world around us. Um, but there are also two other passages, two key passages that Jesus teaches and that he shares with his disciples about what it means to be the church in the world. And one is called the Great Commission, and the other is called the Great Commandment. Now, you probably have heard these before, but if you're new to this and just listening to it, this is a great place to open up your Bibles. So we're going to start with something called the Great Commission, and it's in Matthew chapter 28. If you have your Bible with you, again, take it out, open up to Matthew chapter 28, the Gospel according to Matthew. And it's right at the end of the story. This is right after Jesus' resurrection, okay? He's with his disciples, and he's kind of giving them uh, a send-off message, you know, something important for them to hear. And, uh, and this is how it starts, okay? It's chapter 28, beginning at verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So let's just break this down a little bit. Let's do a little Bible study as we look at this passage here. It starts off with Jesus talking to his disciples and saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. What does that mean? It means that all the authority belongs to Jesus. Okay, it means everything that we need and all the instructions that we need are coming directly from Jesus to us, to you and to me. And that's for us throughout all history. That's all the time that the church has been gathering together in every way that the church has been gathering together. Jesus is making it clear, look, I'm the one in charge. I'm the one who is here to speak directly to you and to tell you what it means to be the church. So all authority belongs to Jesus. And we could go further to say then that the church belongs to Jesus too. And the church isn't a building. The church isn't a committee. The church isn't the staff. The church belongs to Jesus. The church is the body of Christ, and he's the one who's at the head. So the one who has all authority is speaking to the church that was gathering at that time, the early church, and then he speaks all the way down through history to you and to me. 
commanding us, commissioning us, sending us forward. Because he's got all the authority. And what does he tell us to do with that authority? Well, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, we have a mission statement here at Community of Grace, and it's to be and make disciples of Jesus. So that's really what the Great Commission is. But he gives us some specifics about what that means. First of all, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. You know, if you look at that in its Greek form, the emphasis there is all on the making disciples. Okay, the, the, the going is really about as you are going. So it's like as you are going about your life, make disciples. As you are going about your day, make disciples. Make new followers of Jesus. As you are going to work, as you are going to school, as you are going home, as you're going to the store, as you're going to the hospital to greet someone, as you're going to the park, as you are going about your life, make disciples. Make followers of Jesus. Bring other people into this family. Invite them to walk a journey with you as you follow Jesus. See, there's a reproduction that's happening here. Jesus is over and over again inviting followers to follow him and then instructing those followers to make more followers of Jesus who are following his followers. It's all about following Jesus, but Jesus commands us as his hands and feet, as literally his body in the world, to be those who are now inviting others into this experience, into this journey of faith and this journey of life and following Jesus. And then he goes on to say this. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to, teaching them to, to, to teaching them, <laughs> teaching them to obey, thank you. <laughs> teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Okay, so baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, what's that about? Well, baptism is the starting point. Baptism is that entryway. That's one of the ways that Jesus makes his family, okay, is it's a new birth. It's a rebirth into new life and into a new family. So Jesus starts there, and he says, bring people into the family. Okay, bring people into the family just like you've been brought into the family. And then teach them, instruct them to obey, to follow to listen, to listen to my authority, again, in their lives, in the things that I have commanded them. Now, what has he commanded us? Well, that shifts to the other part of the story. It goes back a few pages in the gospel according to Matthew about a command that Jesus gives. Because there's a lot of things that Jesus teaches us to do. All sorts of things. You go through all of scripture, all through the gospels. Um, the story from beginning to end is about God speaking to us, teaching us, and instructing us. So there's a whole lot of things there. But how does it boil down? Well, Jesus actually boils it down. Because while he is with his disciples and while he's with some of the others who are around him in the time of his life, they're talking to him, they're listening to him. And this is what it says in Matthew chapter 22, beginning at verse 34. It says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Okay, so we've got Jesus with all authority, 
telling you to go and make disciples of everybody in all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And what does the root of that mean? It means to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself because all of the law and the prophets hang on these two things. There's a lot of all happening there. There's a lot of of summary statements that Jesus is making, and so we need to pay attention to what Jesus is saying here. He's teaching us how to be the church in the world, how to live out his calling for us and to us as his disciples, making disciples, being disciples, who make disciples, who then are disciples, who make more disciples. It's about being and making disciples, and it never stops. It's an ongoing process, and it all circles around love. It circles around the kind of love that God shows to us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Well, 1 John says that we can't love God unless we know that he's loved us first. The origination of love is in God. So we receive that love from him. We love him back. And how do we love him back? By loving our neighbor. Now that's something pretty unique, folks. It's pretty unique to every religion that's ever been practiced in the history of the world. Every other religion in some way or shape or form teaches that the way that you love God is you offer things to him. You sacrifice things to him. You make sure that you keep him happy with things that you do for him particularly. But Jesus teaches us another way. He teaches us what the heart of the Father is really about. He says, listen, I'm showing you my love. And the way that you respond back to me in love as one of my followers is you love others. You love your neighbor. You love the people around you. You find ways to love them. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus and to be the church in the world. Make disciples, be disciples. All the law and the prophets hang on loving God and loving your neighbor. All authority is given from Jesus to go and make disciples. That sums it up. But what does it look like for us? What does it look like in our practice? How do we live this out? Well, you know... um, It's a new day for us because we have some things to learn again about being the church. We have some things to learn over again about what it means to not just be the church in the building, but be the church out in the world. We've lost some things. We've lost some of our understanding of what it means to be the church in the world. Now listen, I don't want to beat us up for saying that it's bad for us to be together in a building worshiping Jesus together. Believe me, all of us are understanding now how wonderful and rich that is and how much we miss it. I miss it. I miss you. We miss being together in this building. That's a rich, rich blessing. And there's more. And there's more. Because we can live our lives in such a way that that becomes the thing, the only thing. That's what being the church is about. And for 1,700 years... The church has focused a lot of its attention on going to the church in the building. We talk more about going to church than we do about being the church. Where do you go to church? Well, I go to church at Community of Grace. Oh, well, that's not the place that I go to church. I go to St. Pius, uh, or uh, I go to Eaglebrook. Where do you go to church? 
How do we be the church? What are the examples that we have around us? Well, friends, um, I asked you last week, Pastor Angie asked you last week, to send me some examples of ways in which we are being the church right now. And I know that there are way more examples than the ones I'm going to give you, but I just want to give you a couple of the ways that we are seeing how God is teaching us to be the church in the world in new ways, in ways that we never thought about before. Last week, we did drive-through communion, something I've never done in my entire life, something that I probably mocked seeing other churches do at different seasons. And here we were. We were out in our parking lot watching people drive up in their cars, meeting them there, praying for them, and offering them Holy Communion. It was rich. It was amazing to connect with people in that simple way, inviting them to come and be prayed for. There wasn't a single person in that line of over 80 people who refused prayer. Every single one of them, when we said, can we pray for you? Oh, yes, please. (laughs) Well, one person in particular came through the line she pulled up and she introduced herself and she said, hi, I'm, I'm not a member here at the church. I said, oh, that's great. No problem. We're happy to pray for you. She says, yeah, no, actually, uh, I'm a Roman Catholic uh, and uh, I, I attend a, a service nearby here and, and I'm a member of another church, but, but a friend of mine who goes to Community of Grace said that you were doing this and invited me to stop by and I thought, this, this would be great. So is it okay if I come and receive Holy Communion from you? I said, of course it is. Absolutely it is. What a joy. Thank you for coming by. So I prayed for her, and then we offered her Holy Communion. And then she said, okay, so what's your name? Well, I'm Darren. Oh, good to meet you, Darren. What do you do? (laughs) Um, Well, I'm the pastor here. Oh, really? Wow. It was really cool. It was cool to connect with somebody just in that way. That was a way that I probably wouldn't get to connect with that woman in any other way than in the particular way that we did that day, because we couldn't be church in the building. We had to be church in the world. So that was our drive-through, where we served 80 different people last week. But now there's ways that members and, and different groups within our church are being the church in unique ways, too. There is a group of quilters who meet every Monday in this congregation, and they make beautiful quilts. And they are a great small group together. They love each other. They pray for each other. They eat some Snacks together, they, they're just wonderful, beautiful people, and then they spend a lot of time making these beautiful quilts that go out and serve people all around the world. And they continue to do that, but they're not able to meet together right now, so that's kind of hard for them. So they're trying to find some new ways to be the church and to serve others with the unique gifts and skills that they have. So you know what they started doing? They started making face masks. The thing that's been asked for by hospitals and by these other places around in our community for healthcare workers who are needing personal protection equipment. So they took their time, adjusted their skills from making quilts into making these masks. And I have a picture here for you just to show you some of these beautiful masks that they made. They put 40 of them together out of all kinds of unique, beautiful materials, and they sent them out, and these have already gone into use. They've already being used, maybe one of them today, by some healthcare workers in our community. That's being the church. That's offering something specifically from us to them as a way of blessing them, as a way of blessing the world in a time that's really, really hard. Nobody is facing it more hard right now than our first-line healthcare workers and our first-line first responders all around our community. You know, they don't get a break. They're right there on the front lines praying for people, being right next to people, 
teaching people, helping them, caring for them, doing all those kinds of things. And some of them are connected with our congregation. Those masks went out to those folks as a part of our congregation, as a, as a blessing from our congregation. But I have a story here of somebody who is out in our community, also as a frontline healthcare worker, who wanted to share what her experience has been in being the church. And she wants to remain anonymous, so that's great. I'm just going to share the story that, that she shared with me. Here's what it says. She said, I would love to share my story. I work in a small clinic in White Bear, which has been able to remain open to serve our patients in pain. This last Christmas, one of my refuge girls, refuge is our student ministry here at Community of Grace, one of my refuge girls gifted me with a box of beautifully designed message cards of hope with encouraging quotes in scripture. At that time, I took them to work and set them aside, not sure how best to use them. Being vigilant to practice distancing at work, we began scheduling our appointments further apart than usual to provide safe space. The result has also provided more personal time with each patient that comes in. I have been able to use this personal time to hand out these cards with scripture and a message of God's love and assurance of his presence with them. The response has been incredible. This small gesture has opened up so many surprising opportunities to pray for patients that are not only dealing with physical pain, but also anxiety, concern for loved ones, separation, and fear of the future. It has also been mutually encouraging, too, as it has connected me with other believers in the community. That kind and thoughtful gift that was given to me months ago has made it possible to shine some light on the only true and lasting vaccine which is Jesus himself. I thank God for how he orchestrates so seamlessly his gifts here in the body of Christ at Community of Grace. What an amazing story. Friends, I want to give you some encouragement today in this. To hear what other people are doing. But not only that, to know that at the end of this great commission that Jesus sends us on, he says these words, Lo, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. He's not just with us when we're in a building. He is with us when we are out being the church in the world. I said something at the beginning of the year that was a part of a vision that we have together for our congregation, and that's to see grace in every corner of our community. I didn't know what that would mean necessarily, and it was going to be really hard to figure out how are we going to shift focus or adjust some of our attention from doing what we so normally do, which is worshiping together, serving one another here, and then occasionally going out and doing some wonderful acts of service out in the community. How could we shift our focus to see each one of us as a vital part of God's mission in the world, as a vital part of going wherever we go, sharing the love of God, and making disciples. How could we possibly do that? We're so consumed and focused on what's happening here. Well, look at where we are. <laughs> look at where you are right now. You're there in your living room, or wherever it is you may be gathering right now. And you're there in your neighborhood. And it's Sunday morning. And instead of gathering together and worship in this place right now, which we all long to be doing, by the way, <laughs> 
Instead, you are being the church in the world. Instead, you have a corner. You have a corner in your neighborhood, in your family, in your workplace. You have a corner that God has uniquely placed you in to show grace. And Jesus is there with you. And that means Jesus is in your corner. Jesus is in whatever corner you are in. Wherever it is you're meeting, whatever it is you're doing, Jesus is with you. He is calling us to be the church in ways that we have never experienced before. Something I've never experienced in my life in ministry. Something that's probably completely unique to many of you too. But we're not doing this alone. Wherever you go and whatever you are doing and wherever you find yourself right now, pause and know that God is with you. Know that he is speaking to you a message of peace. Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. It's not the same way that the world gives peace. It's uniquely the way that Jesus gives peace. Peace that is between God and us and peace that is then able to be shared with our neighbor. Peace with God and peace with our neighbor. Love between us and God and love between us and our neighbor. Serving God because he served us first. Serving our neighbor up and out Let's pray together today that we can keep learning more and more what it is that God is teaching us right now. I know that's my hope and my heart, is that when we are able to meet back together again in this place, which I am so looking forward to, that we would live into the both and of being the church gathered where Jesus makes us family, and then going and being the church in the world, every place that we go, bringing the church with us, because you are the church. We are the church together. And Jesus is our head and our master. So let's pray that God would lead us to the places that he wants us to go right now. Lord Jesus, you've brought us into a completely unique time of life. Lord, something that none of us have ever experienced before. And Lord, with it are a whole batch of emotions, emotions of uh, loneliness and fear, sometimes anger and disappointment, sometimes frustration, sometimes longing. And Lord, to deny any of those feelings in our heart, Lord, would be to deny us as human beings. But today, Lord, we quiet ourselves before you in our homes, we quiet ourselves before you in this room and in this place and in this moment. And we say, Lord, would you speak peace to our hearts? Would you help us to listen as you call us to be the church in the world, to be salt and light, to be missionaries and lovers of our neighbor, Point us to the neighbors around us who we are specifically called to show your love. Help us to be aware, Lord, 
in every moment of every day that you are with us, that you are in our corner, and that we can see your grace at work in our life, in the life of our neighbor, in the life of our coworker, in the lives of those who are so desperately needing right now. Lord, let your grace and mercy fall on us afresh and anew. Give us hope. Point us to your future. So that, Lord, when we come through this, which you certainly will lead us through, on the other end, Lord, we will know even more what it means to be your church gathered together in praise and worship of you and then to be your church scattered out into the world, each one of us as a missionary. Lord, only you can do that. And you will use every circumstance around us to teach us. So we thank you for what you are teaching us now. Help us, Lord Jesus. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen. Amen.